Well, hello and welcome to today's podcast. I am your hostess, the hostess with the mostess. Am I allowed to call myself that? <laughs> this is Nicole DeVincentis, aka Figure Chick 911. It's awesome to have you with us today. Listen, we're here on this podcast and we're in the midst of transformational leadership concepts. And this is something that most people don't think applies to them, the, the title of transformational leadership. And what I'd like to do is actually to uh, invite you to consider something. And then we'll get into today's concept, uh, which is we're going to be talking about the power of choice, which is a, it's important. Um, it has to do with commanding your emotionality. It has to do with moving your station in life. It, it's, a, it's a big, big topic. But let's, let's hit on this issue of leadership here. What I'd like you to step into Whatever brought you here to this podcast, because we coach and we train people from all different industries, all different ages, all different walks of life, but more or less, everybody goes through what we call transition points, and it's kind of like playing a game where you're going along and you're doing, you know, you like your daily life, and then you get to a different place. Maybe you graduate school or you get a different job or you have a relationship like you're always changing right and then as you live more life then you learn hopefully more life skills and you acquire more life wisdom and then that takes you to another level so I picture like uh, um, Super Mario Brothers like that's what I picture in my mind and sometimes you're like jumping up and you're like punching those bricks above you and then other times you get the coins and then other times you fall down into the underworld. That's how I picture this whole entire journey of life, one of the ways anyway. But I'm going to tell you that when it comes to you and your station, as you go up through life, you usually acquire more responsibility in some capacity. And that means that you, you have to be a leader. Okay, now there's distinctions. You can go on Google and you can do engine search leadership and sometimes it gets twisted up with management and, you know, go do your own due diligence. But in this academy, you know, we uphold a couple principles here. There's concepts of, you know, a role model. A role model is a leader. That is somebody who kind of like paints the gold standard on the type of person that you want to become. Right, it's not just what they do; they do actions, but it also has to do with that type of person that they that they are, and you know what they choose to exemplify in their actions and their spoken, written, typed word. You know, it's somebody that then other people look up to, and hopefully, it's somebody who's solid. Okay, and then other times, you know, leadership can be even if you have a higher station in your house, if you grew up and you had younger siblings, you are a leader because you actually influence those younger ones to do certain things. And hopefully it was good. <laughs> I don't know if you ever did anything and you got your younger brother or sister in trouble because of your level of influence, but leadership if you read the teachings of John Maxwell, who was really, when it came to studying the, the concepts of leadership in their purest forms, John Maxwell was, Max, Maxwell, excuse me, was one of those foundational teachers. And if you've never read any of his stuff, I highly recommend it. He's, he is an internationally renowned like leadership expert and his take on things, he's very poised. He has just his 
how his mind works, how he communicates. It's it just applies to all walks of life. And John always explains, like I know him. I haven't met him yet. I, I'm gonna meet him one day. But he he talks about leadership as being influence, and I believe that 100. Uh, percent As I was moving along my leadership studies as a person, and when I started working with other individuals, though, one of the things that uh, always seemed to come up into the light that was frustrating when it came to how people view leaders or their respect that they had for leaders or their willingness to follow a leader um, was the fact that not all leaders walk their talk. And I like to take John's definition of leadership a step further, that it is influence, but it's one thing to influence people to do something And that is kind of like a conquest, if you would. But it's another thing to keep them doing the thing. So in my mind... If you, I don't even know how to explain this in my brain. It's, it's like two different laws here. You have like acquisition and retention. I try to put things in business profile because that, that makes the most black and white sense. It's the easiest way for me to explain it. And so when you're looking at leadership, if we can plant it on top of that template of, uh, template of acquisition and retention, you know, for me, leadership, the ability to influence somebody else to do something voluntarily, not because you're forcing them, you know, holding a gun to their head. It's not by fear-based. You're influencing them and getting them to be like voluntarily helping you or doing whatever it is that you're suggesting. Okay. So that's the acquisition part. But when you're building a team, as most people are who are in a leadership role, all right, so this definitely has professional application. You are the CEO, you are the founder, you are the boss of a company, you obviously need a team. So you have to do something. It can't just be like, I conquered the team, these people are on my team, and now you know you, you take your hands off. You're still, you, you need a different skill set in order to maintain them and make sure that you're communicating all the time and make sure that you're doing things to not just outline the culture, but maintain the culture that you are building. That's an, that's an active process because we know if you take the reins off your hands off the reins on that one, how long it takes for culture to get shot out the window and your employees will build their own. And it, it, it looks nothing usually like the one that you want to build. So when it comes to that leadership, I highly view leadership as the beginning root, if you would, as self-governance. Because you've got to be holding yourself accountable to everything that you're asking other people to hold themselves accountable for. Like everything, just like John Maxwell says, everything rises and falls on leadership. But if you step out of line, and I know that this is a high, this is not just a line in the sand. This is like the tight wire up there. This is a a hard line to walk because it's easy to fall off. You're a person, not a robot. But when you start putting yourself in that perspective, like this is the type of person that I want to be. This is the expectation. Now it's not like you get to do whatever the heck you want and your people are talking about you out the side of their mouth like, well, he doesn't do whatever the hell he says he's going to do. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I actually view leadership. So it really is holding yourself to almost like a ridiculously high standard. But here's what I know. When it comes to standards, um, it's the same thing when you set a goal. 
I always recommend, you know, I work with people who are learning how to goal set. Like all of the coaching and training academy that I have, it was funny, I was having a conversation today, like, what do I call myself? What's my job title? I have no effing clue other than the fact that I develop leaders. That's literally what I do. And on the flip side of that, I use biblical principles, so I develop soldiers of God. I mean, everybody who comes out of my coaching and training academy, they're strong as as F. <laughs> I'm trying to keep myself to the high standard too, but it's because of the backing that, you know, I think I'm able to speak on all fronts, whether we're talking finance, we're talking business, we're talking health and fitness, we're talking the spiritual component, we bring in biblical principle. There's all different, you know, issues in men and women and, and all kinds of stuff. And you know, it's all about leadership. And when you are setting goals or when you are aspiring to become a better leader, now let's bring in, let's bring in another black and white concept. And that's the issue that has to do with numbers. It's average. Okay. The reason why we always say aim high or set your goals high or pick a high expectation standard of yourself is not so that you drive yourself crazy and then beat yourself down if you don't achieve it. Typically what happens because you're a human, when you go and you aim high, you're not always going to hit it. Some days you will, but some days you're going to either be off your game or something's going to come up and you end up going a little bit lower where if you're consistently hitting high, even if you don't 100% achieve it, your average, the sum of all attempts that you make at this thing, you know, like how you get an average numerically is still going to be high. Whereas if you aim low, just doing enough to get by, then what happens when you have those days or something catastrophic happens and you are, you're hitting at a low level, then the average is low. And if we're talking about the vitality and the forward movement of, an, of your organization, your business, the baby that you have put every ounce of your blood, sweat, and tears in, holy crap, you're going to be out of business. Same thing with your family. If you guys do the lowest possible level of the elements of respect, the, you know, what love means, communication, teamwork, there's going to be cracks all over the place and the the family will not be able to exist. Or if it does, it's going to be existing so dysfunctionally (laughs) that you're going to be in freaking therapy for 20 years. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So when it comes to that leadership, you know, it's always who, who can be my role model? Why do I look up to this person? Is it just because they're receiving public acclamation or, you know, people kind of worship them because they have this or do this or whatever, but you always want to be looking at their fundamental core. What do they stand for? How aligned is their word and their, and their walk? You know, it's that it comes down to integrity, right? And when you get in the habit of holding yourself to that high standard, It changes a lot of things. It changes, number one, it changes your circle of people who are around you. Um, Just if you've been on previous podcasts, some of it has to do with your energy that you're emitting. Other aspects of it really has to do with your ability to pick up on BS and you become intolerant of BS. Meaning, 
not obstinate, you do not want BS in your life. It becomes very black and white. You do not tolerate lying. You don't tolerate cheating. It, what happens is it actually moves you into such a clear, light space of living where I, it's funny, I kind of equate it to what happens if you come into me into the emergency room? Like, I don't care why all these things happen, really. I just, I want the information. You have chest pain? Okay, I need to know. Are you short of breath? Did you get hit in the chest? Do you have a fever? Are you dizzy? Are you having palpitations? Like, I just want the answers. I don't care. If you snorted a line of cocaine before you came in, I mean, I care about you. But at the end of the day, I don't. I don't judge you that you snorted the line of coke. I need to know the answer when, now, because that puts you in high classification for you having a giant heart attack in front of my face here, and I want to get this ball rolling. I don't want to waste any time. And it's literally, it becomes yes or no sort of living, like you're in the light or you're in the dark. And when you are able to move yourself into operating in the light, I promise you 100% your life is completely transformed. You're not trying to remember what you told this other person. You're not ever trying to play the game of catch up, not catch up the condiment, like catch up, like something happened. And oh my God, now I'm just trying to like keep myself alive. It's not like that at all. When you are operating in that light space and you part of leadership also is taking full responsibility and accountability for yourself. I mean, this becomes such a major deal that it almost it eliminates your having extra time to worry about what other people are doing. And you'd think that it makes you less powerful, but it doesn't. What it actually does is it changes you so dynamically that you are like one solid instrument where you no longer have to sit there and shout to get your point across. What usually happens is people pick up on how differently you carry yourself. They pick up how differently you speak. They pick up, they pick up how differently you listen. They pick up um, just like something in your eyes. They pick up your aura. Like some of it happens on a very, on a, like a subconscious level. You know how people, you, you can tell if you're around somebody, you, you just like, Ew, you don't want to sit next to them or, oh, hey, that looks like a really cool person. Like they pick up on those really, those nonverbal cues from you, but it's because you're aligning your walk and your talk and it really like it supercharges you and puts you eons above most everybody else. And all of a sudden what happens is you have this separation. The people who were sitting on the fence or people who were in the dark, like once you pass them by and it's like superhero powers, they go away and they really don't come back again. And if they do, it's, you don't even stumble over them anymore. Like they're really not around you. So in those initial phases, it actually gets kind of lonely because you, it's like blasting the wrong people away from you. But what you can be assured is that when that happens soon afterwards, the right people come to you. 
whether they're coming to you because you are now the role model, you are the mentor, you are the coach, you are the teacher. It's just like they say, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Or if it's just those gravitational laws of nature, like attracts like, it's all about energy. And if you take that stance, well, cool, I'm down with that too, because you know what? It's true. All of a sudden, they pick up on your vibe, they resonate with that vibe, and maybe now you're going to be developing somebody with a large amount of, of potential. And usually what will happen is that you are attracting the type of individual maybe you were a little bit rough around the edges and you're going to be able to use your wisdom and your strategies on how to assist that individual to essentially becoming their best person. Okay, and be advised, there's a lot of stuff on social media that talks about being your most authentic self and being your best self. And I think that it gets miscommunicated because it doesn't ever allow for the entry point of God. And that's that's clearly where this academy is different because we base our things on truth which is getting to know what's in the Bible. The Bible will become alive to you, but understanding what God has to say about things, not from the point of condemnation, but from the point of you understanding and getting to really know what does love actually mean. You know, if, you know, God tells you not to fear, okay, well, that sounds real good, but like you start to learn all those different things. You learn about forgiveness. You learn about relationship reconciliation. You learn about not just conflict resolution, but conflict prevention strategies there. I mean, there's all different things which come about. And when you get too caught up in, in my opinion, when you get too caught up in what the world says about being your authentic self or being your best self, it's usually done with um, what I'm going to call self-centricity, meaning it's all about you. This is how I am and you better love me for it and I can stomp around and I, it doesn't, it doesn't ever hold up a beacon of truth and saying that perhaps your operating system is not, is not correct or not the best. It's not, I don't want to say forcing you to change, but it's not really, it's not, it's not, I guess it really isn't forcing you to change at all. It's just saying, okay, you want to be like that, go ahead, be like that. But I feel like the growth, the growth spectrum of a person is it's just like you are constantly a child and just like you there's obviously children you know who are young kids our job as adults or people who are older than them is they always say it takes a village that our job is to groom them and help them to not be selfish at first, right? If you think about how babies are, babies and kids, they're totally selfish. They want their needs met when? Yesterday. <laughs> I want to eat when? Now, okay? And I'm going to scream my little head off until you meet my needs. Like they're very selfish like that. And then when they learn about toys, typically they go through those selfish periods where they don't want to share. And we have to teach them how to share. And we have to teach them then how to have discipline, you know, to wait and have patience. And so it's, it's a grooming process and it doesn't ever stop simply because we reach 18 years old or 21 years old or 30 years old, because as you go through different levels of your life, different stations of your life, and now you have this responsibility or you, now you're doing this. And then this thing came up, you know, you always have to pull with you the pearls of wisdom of what got you here but then oftentimes you have to learn something new. 
because whatever got you here is not going to be enough to keep you here. Or it certainly is not going to be enough to push you to the next level, right? If you, I mean, even like look at sports, when you have rookies who come in, you know, they find they were drafted in, but it's not often that you necessarily have a rookie as a starter, because now they're playing in a completely different league. They may have been the big man, the big woman on campus, and then they show up into the pro league and they're like, whoa, <laughs> I totally got smoked. I, I, my ass is on the ground, you know what I'm saying? And it's the same thing in your life. And so then you have to learn and be coached and practice, and then your training ground starts all over again. So it's really never, I'm here to tell you, it really never ends which you can either view as a bad thing, but I know for sure if you're on this podcast, you are a grower, 100%. Those are the only people who ever come and coach in my academy are 100% growers and, and fast adapters. Now, maybe what has you on this podcast is up to this point, you've kind of been walking with your cement shoes on and you haven't made very rapid progression of, of movement or you hit a plateau and you are stuck there. You've been stuck there for five years or 40 years and it just feels like you're not making any movement. So here's what you can be assured of is that I've been in the personal and professional development space for a long time. Um, went, you know, I had to go through all kinds of stuff too to come out the other end and be able to assist you in your transformation. And I'm here to tell you that you don't always have to take the long road and go down into the depths and the murky mires in order to come up and have some positive movement on the other end. Okay, so my coaching style, I, I mean, I will take you from time to time into the place where you got to look at some of your junk. You know, that's part of the growth process. This is my weakness. This is my vulnerability. Yeah, I'm strong over here. But this thing over here is this is causing me a world of hurt. It's affecting my organization. It's affecting my team. It's affecting my marriage. Affecting my relationship with God, it's affecting my finances, and you'll see that that thing that you choose to keep hidden in the dark has threads in all area of your life. So there's going to be times, absolutely, just like all great coaches will show you a pain point or they'll make you go through painful training, but it's not because we like to see you suffer. Although if we're in the right weight room, I I can't. I, it just cracks me up. I, not to watch you guys try to lift, but the faces that you give after you do like a really gnarly workout, and you give that you know that fate, that look to any coach or trainer that you have. It crack, that cracks me up. But when we're talking about the personal and professional space, we don't do that to hurt you. We do that to allow you that freedom of space to look at, and I'm going to use the word, even though I'm trying to clean up my language here, to look at that shit. Because you have to, you have to face the beast. The longer you put it aside, I'm getting goosebumps as I think about this, like face the beast. The longer you push it aside, it doesn't get handled. It just kind of like it, it, you carry it along with you and it usually snowballs and then you pull it into every area of your life. And at the end of the day, like you just have this massive shit pile, which you still continue to ignore. So part of our job here and my job is, as the, the head coach of all this stuff is to give you that open space where you have that trust and you have that security to be able to look at that stuff, number one, without any judgment, 
okay? And then number two is how do we attack this thing or how do we deal with this thing? Because man, it is going to be a world of hurt. But I'm telling you, there are simple ways to go about solving everything in life or you can choose to go the long, arduous, you know, (laughs) painful way. The choice is always going to be yours. We tend to take the high road on everything because we tend to go directly to the source, deal with it and move on quickly. It's very, very, very much how I operate as a nurse. Even though I don't work like that clinically, got the answer. I'm already with like 10 solutions before you even tell me what the heck is wrong with you because I want the best for you from the get. Like life can honestly be dependent on a matter of minutes. And that's how I view life in general. You are never granted. You are never, ever, 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 ever granted another moment on the planet, much less a year or 10 years to get your shit together. When you're ready to get your shit together, like you're ready to get it together now, now, this is a now economy. This is a now world that we live in. And I respect that. Okay. The one thing I don't do is I don't pressure you to go fast. I allow you to move at the speed that you are going to be moving. Okay, now I'm a fast mover. I've yet to meet anybody who can keep up with me. And the speed of the leader determines the speed of the team. So just be advised that when you work with me, work with us, is that you can expect that if you do the work, you're going to be a fast adapter too, even if you have not been up to this point in all areas or one area. You show up and you start doing the work and I'm telling you, bam, results come. And it's exciting. Okay. So if you're ready to move on with there, um, this podcast, of course, it is free. It's something that uh, I, I love to do. And I don't pay for followers. I don't pay for ads or anything like that. We're up on Anchor. You can find this also on Google, on Spotify, on Apple iTunes. I would ask, though, and then we're going to get into today's content for sure, um, talking about choice. Um, if you can, if you know of anybody, one of the reasons why I wanted to do a free podcast was because I know people who go through a trans, uh, I don't even want to say a transformation yet. They're at a transition point is where they're at. And sometimes they are legit coming from rock bottom and they simply have not attracted to themselves the financial means in order to do one-on-one coaching with me. Okay, so it's important to me simply because I left the world of clinical nursing doesn't mean that I turn my back on people who still could really benefit from my help and my expertise. Okay, I know what I bring to the table and I'm putting it here for free on purpose. Why? Because every person has been at some point or their, at their life or another at freaking rock bottom when all you needed was just one beacon of hope. You didn't necessarily need money. What you needed was a beacon of hope and like a a light shining like up the staircase to show you the way to go. That's what we stand for in this academy. We show you how, okay? And when you do it, you make those moves, you're transformed into your your life of light, if you will. So that's what you have to aspire to become. It's awesome. But I know what it's like when you're in those dark pits of of darkness and sadness and brokenness and like all that stuff who wants to live there nobody so if you know somebody who honest to god could benefit from this podcast 
please, 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 please share it and invite them on here, okay? Because you've been here for as long as you've been here. For those of you who have been, you know, following all along, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Please share the content, okay? Because it's the, I've always worked in the capacity of working through other people. I'm not certain why God has me in this position nine times out of ten. I just do what he says, <laughs> And I'm grateful for this platform to be able to do that. So with all that, let's get started on today's content. We are talking about choice and the power of choice. Now, this is what you need to know, okay? When it comes to choice, the one thing, it becomes, uh, it, be, it has to become ingrained in you that you understand this statement. You always have a choice. So whatever the thing is, you know, that you're, you're tossing around or bantering around or your brain is getting tied up into this thing and instead of talking and, and either making a choice or, you know, talking it out or right, you like become all twisted and then you, you do this whole risk-benefit analysis. Well, if I do this, then this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen, but I can't do that and that, 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 and you never make any progress. The reason why you feel as weak as you do or as frustrated as you do is because you haven't made a choice. You haven't made a decision. Okay, now pause your brain for one quick second. Pay attention. Okay, wherever you are, let's sit up just a little bit taller. I feel like I need to do a quick little clearing exercise here. So what I'm going to ask you to do is take a nice big breath in. Take a big breath in through your nose. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Take a breath in. And exhale. Again, bigger. Inhale. And exhale. Let the oxygen in already. Oh my gosh. Inhale. <laughs> and exhale. Good. One more. Just like that. Inhale. And exhale. Okay, now, now I have a ready learner. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Do I need to go through the whole introduction again? I'm not going to. You can go back. You can listen to it. We're talking about choice, okay? Now, this is what you need to know from the get. Do not try to compare this to how other people coach and train you. Simply receive this information, okay? This is what you need to know. Number one, you are always in the driver's seat. I don't care how you've been operating up to this point. I don't care what your current situation. I don't care about what he says, she does, blah, blah. I don't care about that. I'm telling you, this is the word. You are always in the driver's seat. Okay? Second point is you always have a choice. Now, you may not like the consequences of said choice, but that doesn't take away from the fact that you still have a choice. So this can apply. I know a lot of my friends who are in healthcare, who have been in for a little while, are getting to the point where they're ready to be done. And before you make a career, like they, a lot of them want to get out of healthcare. They're simply burned out. They're finished. And they want to do something new. They want to do something which is a little bit lighter and not so serious all the time. And comes to that point where, all right, I'm... How, however old am I'm in my 40s right now and I have kids and if I go to make a career change what happens with the financial situation of my household if I have to go back to school 
or if I start all over again, where I don't know anybody, although I, I can start an entry-level job, but that's going to knock the income of my household down several, you know, tens, you know, of thousands of dollars. We can't afford to do that and blah, 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 blah right? I'm going to tell you, there's still a choice there, right? There is. It's whether or not you like the consequences of said choice, Okay, so I'm doing this as a methodology to show you how to step back into your power. A lot of times you start to feel real disappointed or real out of control or you get caught in the crazy brain train. (laughs) That rhymed. I didn't really mean it for it to, but I'll use that from now on. (laughs) Is that you, you give away your power in thinking that you don't have a choice because I have a family, because I have these bills, because I have this house, because I have this lifestyle, because I'm 40 years old, because I'd have to start all over again, because I don't have any energy, because I'm out of shape, blah, blah, blah. And you can give all these reasons, 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 and you give away your power and feel that I'm at the bottom of the bucket. I'm a victim here, but you're not. Okay, I'm taking that. No, you are actually wrong in your thinking. Let's take your blinders off. You have choices. It's just that you have forgotten that. And if you've grown up in the United States, you probably don't even know what it's like to really not have a choice or not have opportunity. It's simply that we've grown accustomed to a particular lifestyle And when you're making choices, one of the things that you have to take on is that element of risk. Am I able to do this without compromising my lifestyle in terms of income for a while until I build myself back up again? Or am I going to have to knock myself down and take my family down to a lower financial situation, which is going to do this and this and like, it doesn't matter. Those are still choices. Whenever you're feeling a loss of strength, you've got to come back to like this integrity triangle and look at what you're looking at. There's a choice there. Once you make a decision, okay, once you make that powerful choice, your decision, then you reclaim your power. And I talked about this in an earlier podcast is that it's the difference between should I stay or should I go for anything? Is it a relationship? Is this a job? Is this a house? Is, you know, we're living, blah, 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 you know, either or you can get it down to one of two options. And eventually if you do not pull that trigger or if you don't step through the doorway and shut the door behind you. You're going to stay on the fence and you will always be leaking energy out because you're going to have to, like, you're going to be playing these mental games and you're going to be going around and around and around and around and around and around in your head. And that never lends to, obviously, it's very unproductive. Like, it just keeps you stuck. And it tends to push you down into a negative pit where then you start resenting the people If this is like you're leaving a career or not leaving a career because your family, you start resenting your family then because, well, if it wasn't, if I, not that you hate them, but if I didn't have this, then I wouldn't be in this situation. And if, you know, she hadn't asked me to get this, then I wouldn't be in this situation. And if he wouldn't have went out and bought this, then I would. And it starts, it starts taking away your power in so many different ways that all of a sudden you're playing blame games, you're in the game of resentment, and you're in the game of giving away everything. You're not owning your, your, your responsibilities for the choices that have even gotten you to this point. 
right? And I think with anything in life, you get to that transition point where you are ready for a change. You're gun shy on making a choice. And then you start looking back at all the decisions that you made leading up to this point, And then you're disappointed with that. And then that takes you on a completely different crazy train. Like, oh my God, why did I do that? We didn't have to have that new car. Ba 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 And it takes you insane places in your brain. And it's completely unnecessary. Okay? So what I like to do is I like to just splice all that shit off, excuse my language, and just point out to the facts, step back into your power. You have a choice. Own it. Okay? Face it like a man. Face it like a woman. You have a choice. You have this or this. Pick one, okay? And then stick with it. There's going to be times with any choice. If you are miserable in one particular situation, know that most likely, unless something radically changes in there, where is it going to be five years from now? Everybody knows when they see things deteriorating, okay? And then you sit there and you try to rationalize it and say, oh, it's just this once, or oh, maybe it's going to get a little bit better, or maybe if, and let's do this, and let's see this. You know when something isn't right. I've never met a person who did not have a sense of intuition. I know intuition gets dampened because you can't measure it in terms of like objective, like numbers, okay? You can't quantify it. That's what I'm trying to say. But there, I have never met a person who does not have a sense of intuition, who knows in their gut, this is, this is not right. But then there's always a decision to be made. Am I going to stay simply because this is comfortable, this is what I know, this provides this you know, element of, of lifestyle for my family, and then five years leads to 10, 10 leads to 15, and the next thing you know, it is 20 years later, and you're like, what the hell? I wasted all that time, right? So when you're, when you're in this, what I'm, what I'm encouraging you to do is to command your power place. Like step back up and realize that number one, if you live in the United States, first of all, I'm speaking with you and at you right now. Shame on you for not owning that. We can have people who come from third world countries. They work their freaking ass off. They take advantage of every single opportunity. They will go down the street, ride to work on a bicycle in the rain, and they actually consider themselves lucky bastards because it's 10 times better than the country that they came from, okay? And they freaking hustle, and they put their kids through school, and they do all kinds of stuff because they can't believe all the opportunities that are here. So if you live in the United States, first of all, checkpoint, this is hard coaching from me right now, shame on you. Okay, you're selfish, you're entitled, and you need to get over that and realize that the freedoms that you're taking for granted, seriously, seriously, nobody cares. Okay, you can have your feelings or you can have what it is that you want, like shame on you. No. Okay, now, got that out of the way. This is going to apply to everybody. As long as you are in the United States, you do have a choice. Okay, you can choose to pay taxes or not right? You go to jail or you don't. <laughs> like There's the consequences, you know what I'm saying? And I say that with a bit of levity that you always have a choice. And you would think, some people make the mistake of thinking, well, if I don't make a verbal choice 
or if I don't do one thing, I just kind of like sit here and not look at the beast and not really do anything. It's the same thing as kind of sitting on the fence, only the world continues to change. And maybe that area that you're in, it's going to continue to disintegrate unless somebody comes in and, and makes it better, right? And then the choice is made for you. You go down. You go down with the ship, right? And that's worse. That's, I mean, that's like way worse. So you have to, you know, draw back in and decide for yourself. Now, I can say this, you know, with a lot of, of gusto simply because I pulled the plug on that thing. I pulled the plug on my nursing career and just cold turkey just went. And yeah, I got ready for it. I had, you know, six months cash reserve in the bank and I knew that I was going to be leaving. But as a reminder, or maybe this is new information for you, I didn't know what I was jumping towards. I was building a gluten-free, allergen-free baking line, but I did not have, I had a business plan, but I did not have a team. I did not have a place. I did not have any of the systems. Like I had nothing when I was beginning. And I got to the point where for me, I needed to make a change. Now, obviously the business model has changed several times over. And once I went out with that baking company, I realized that I actually, I prefer developing people over developing recipes. <laughs> everything that I'm doing now is actually the personal and professional development that I had developed for my employees of my company. But while I was building that company, this is just a little bit of an aside, the power of choice is that um, I started speaking more about you know what I was doing on the side and I was being recruited by different agencies, especially it was highly actually in the fire service for a number of years to come in and then act in the capacity of like speaker, coach, trainer, consultant to do personal and professional development for their employees, um, for different initiatives. They were putting up wellness, wellness initiatives that they needed, you know, people to be thinking about this, not just in terms of like being fit for duty, but how fitness and your health is the vehicle for your life. And so as I started talking more about this and, you know, and the group level, but also sitting down either with fire chiefs or uh, the individuals who are responsible for these wellness initiatives, I started coaching them and then having strategic mastermind sessions. And then that's what I was being used for at that time. So I'm telling you, like things change and then eventually you have to make a decision. You know, it's an executive decision. What am I going to be doing? So I'm asking you to step up into your power. I mean, it's like becoming, if you're not an entrepreneur, if you're not a business owner, you are, you have a job and there's every bless you. I mean, that's a great thing to have a job. Not all of us stay in that role, but you know, we all are supposed to be contributing towards society is that I ask you to take on a position as though you are a CEO or you are a boss or you are a role model or you are a coach, like put yourself up at a higher posture level because that helps you remain in your power. And when the rubber meets the road, you're able to make executive decisions that affect your family and you're not sitting in fear and you're not sitting in lag and you're not sitting in worry and you're not sitting in procrastination and you're not sitting in busy brain and you're not sitting up all night long losing sleep 
grinding your teeth with sore neck and all this different stuff and upset stomach and you know, that whole crazy training that happens, like you are 100% in your power and it helps you to keep your mind like super, super clear when you recognize how much control you have over your life and the direction that it goes. Now I will dovetail in the aspect of God on this. Okay. So I firmly believe that he has a will for our life and it's up to us to, you know, be in constant communication with him and ask him, what is, what do you want me to do with my life? Like, what is my purpose down here? And sometimes you have no idea because who, your purpose may not even be discovered until you become a better person. So it's still always about growth and choosing to even grow. Even if you're happy and content where you are, there's still growth which is required and that's heart growth. That's heart shaping and molding your heart to be more like Jesus which is the most patient man. I mean, you think about some of the stuff that he faced. He never lost his temper. He never yelled. I think he yelled one time, right? When the people were in the temple, he had to yell at them because they were like gambling in the temple or something like that. And so he yelled at them to get out of there. But I think that maybe there was one other time, but that was it. You know, he never yelled back when people called him names. I mean, I mean, they, he probably had a whole bunch of things said to him and about him that we don't even know. Here he is, like, turning water into wine. Like, there's that Jesus dude again. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) When you think about it, it becomes kind of comical. But, you know, that's part of your growth, too. And when you start, man, when you start bringing in your faith and the role of God and you start learning in that direction, you want to talk about growth factor. You grow by leaps and bounds and you pass people by in your galaxies away. So it's constant. And then you sometimes will have a new purpose in front of you. You will have that new person who shows up and then your job is to infuse into them the life that you have learned, right? Life meaning like light and what you learn about God and about fitness and health and nutrition and financial stewardship and I mean everything. And then they do the same thing. So you're constantly developing really more leaders, that's, you know, that's how it, how it works, right? So it's not just even about your legacy. It's about grooming people to be better people, better, you know, from the inside out and making sure, you know, that it's, it's, it's true. It's all the way through, not just walk and talk. It's, it's like hundred percent legit, even under stress. And that becomes part of the growth process too. But it all comes back to that power of choice that you always have a choice. Now, this may not be professional career change. This may be choice of a relationship. Do I stay or do I go? I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with women who were in highly abusive relationships, they weren't hit. So they had no physical markations of abuse, but they lived with alcoholics. They lived with drug addicts. They lived with massive gamblers. They lived, I mean, with all sorts of badness. And you know what? I'm sure it exists the opposite way too. I've never worked with men who've been in abusive relationships before um, at the current. I've you know dealt with men who've had childhood abuse, but not you know relationship abuse right now. And I'm telling you, it's, it's part of that growth then. Do I stay or do I go? 
And sometimes what happens is that with those women, it's an educational piece, is that oftentimes, you know, abused women, uh, abusive environment, part of the strategy is keeping that woman in isolation. And therefore, she's not really in contact with family or anybody who can provide like a beacon of stability. So I just come across these individuals. I think that's part of like God's mark on my life. I don't know how it happens either. It just happens. And it becomes education on, no, this is not normal. And she knew it the whole entire time. She was trying to suppress and make excuses and walk on eggshells and make sure that he doesn't blow up or he doesn't go out. And But like it was all these things. And once you give those individuals that clear space to exhale and realize, no, this is not right how you've been living. I don't care if this is his authentic self or what he he says, this is how he is. His behavior is wrong and it's harmful. And here's the evidence. It says so in the Bible right here. So that's another reason why I do use the Bible as backing. Now, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I did not go out trying to find what the Bible said. That really wasn't how things went down for me. I will tell you that many years back, I was struggling with uh, Catholicism, and I saw a lot of discrepancies in there, and I couldn't figure out <laughs> if you really want to know how it started. It was it was during Lent, and... Um, I'm a bodybuilder and so I eat a lot of protein and you know protein is chicken protein is eggs protein is fish protein is beef and I remember growing up this is so funny that we'll go back to the power of choice but I remember growing up um, that initially on Fridays during Lent you couldn't have red meat but because poultry was not considered meat, poultry was okay. And so then it was all right. And then all of a sudden, at one point, it changed where you couldn't have any meaty items. And it, and it became like either fish or something vegetarian. But, but you were allowed to have peppers and eggs. I don't know if that's just an Italian thing or whatnot, but that's allowed. Now here comes, you know, little Miss Scientific Nikki over here. <laughs> no wonder my I gave my family such a hard time ask these crazy questions. Well, how come we're allowed to have eggs? I mean, eggs are just like chicken embryos. <laughs> right? I mean, it is like you keep them warm and they're going to have a chicken hatch out of there. I mean, so it's like genetically, it's the same thing. Why can you have peppers and eggs on Friday, but you can't have chicken? Like, this doesn't make any sense. So as I'm doing either contest prep or I'm, you know, going if I'm in improvement season, like, why, why, why do I have to have fish on this day? And why, why can't I just have the chicken? Like, I don't get it. I'm hungry all day. I mean, do you know what my training is? I mean, it's so funny. But then honest to God, it started a lot of questions that I had about the Catholic faith. And then it, just through a series of like random events, I realized that I wanted to learn what the Bible said about about everything because this just seemed like a bunch of bullshit. And I was like, the, the, I just don't get this. And so then I had had like a lot of my Bible teaching done because of a, a, just a coincidental finding on the radio. I just hit scan one day and then, well, there was like Pastor Ford from the Moody Bible Institute and he's, he he's a pastor out of uh, Chicago here. And that was really my introduction to like formal Bible teaching and how to apply it. 
And it definitely was not like worded in the in the King James version, like where everything is you can't understand it. The the individuals who would do these Bible teachings on the radio, they taught for like thirty minutes at a time and they applied it to life. So they would take like one phrase, what does this mean? And they would develop it into this whole entire thing and you'd be like, Whoa. Oh my God, really? That's, oh my God. Okay, cool. And things started to change. And my perspective on God changed from him being just like a God of angry wrath. And he was judging you and I was going to be going to purgatory or hell. And if, if I didn't do enough good stuff, like that was my destiny. And I got clarity on all those different things. And that was really, and I don't profess to know everything about the Bible. I don't know if anybody ever learns everything which is in there. But I bring that into our coaching because many times a lot of people have a faith backing to them, a Christian faith backing to them. And when you are able to use that as the beacon for, well, this is what it says here, that can also provide a really sound source for individuals to use to make their choice. So it kind of like it all ties together. And that's certainly one that I put up there with women who are in highly abusive relationships that, you know what, God, this is, you are, you got married, you hold the vows, the covenant of your marriage, and I respect you for that. You've gone through the channels, you've tried to go to counseling, you've tried to go to therapy, you've tried, you've tried, you've tried. But after a while, what he's doing actually contradicts God's word. I was taught that under those situations, especially if there is harm to you or to your children, then you do have permission to exit stage left. So you hold that as the beacon. And then they have to go through their process, right? Whether that is mediation, whether that is how, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like for them. You don't interfere with God's work, but you have to do something to snap people awake so that they have the power of choice. And automatically, once you assume that power, and please don't be misguided by this, by the word power, power, when I used to be called powerful by my coaches and my mentors, I resented that word. I thought that it was a bad thing, like, like dominating and just like strong and mean and angry all the time. And that's not what it is. It's like, it's being in alignment with your word and action and, and you own your space. And it really is like a either you did or you didn't it's a very clean way of living and you don't get bogged down in useless little riffraff it it just becomes non-existent the stronger your choices that you make the more clear your choices that you make you teach people how to treat you whether or not you realize this and as you move along and you absorb or you uh Accept how powerful you actually are and that you are in the position. Even with God's hand on your life, he will show you what to do. It's your job to do the work or it's your job to take on his teaching. You still have a choice whether or not to do that. So, I mean, see, so you always have the choice. You know, another example with the power of choice comes in to be, and this is a deep one, is your perspective on life. Do you choose to look at your past and use that as the, I guess, excuse for why you are how you are. And sure, your past built you, but it cannot continue to be your primary operating system if you have aspirations to rise. Okay, one is survivorship. The other one is rise. Whatever you went through to get here, 
I mean, you became the person that you needed to get you here. Okay. But if you had rough beginnings, as a lot of people do, you've had challenges growing up as everybody does. All right. Everybody has their own junk. Some people's worse than another's. Other people just have a, a skewed misconception over really the severity of their situation versus other people. Okay. And that just comes down to lack of awareness and ignorance. So don't, you know, don't spend too much time up in that, but you are where you are. And if you have aspirations to grow and rise and accomplish or do better or have better or become better, you have to become better. That sounds weird. How do you become better if you don't know how to do that? Okay, so this is where like personal professional development totally comes in. You have to have high, high level standards, high level role models, high level aspirations, high level goals, high level habits to become that person in order for you to have what it is that you want. You're never going to have a multi-million dollar or billion dollar corporation until you become the individual who can handle that on all fronts, okay? Because that's about, that's about responsibility at its highest, but that's making executive decisions all day, every day that don't just affect you, but also affect the livelihoods of all of the employees and people with, you know, whom are sheltered underneath your organization, as well as business partners or joint ventures, your role in the community. I mean, it's a very, I mean, you're not in the day-to-day, you know, toes on the line necessarily, depending on the size of your, of your organization, but that's, you have to become that person who can handle that. So it's vertical growth and it's horizontal growth. You have to be able to handle all of it. Ah, right? And maybe that seems like worlds away from where you are. Well, everybody has a beginning. And maybe you're coming up from financial ruin. And where you want to be, maybe aspiring to earn ten grand a year seems like a stretch for you because you've never been in an income-generating position before in your whole entire life. Maybe you've been married and your husband has been the provider for you. And now you're doing this thing on your own and you're older and you're doubting your skills. And I don't know, I've never had this and I've got these kids and I can barely make it through another day and I got to cook. Like it can be overwhelming. Everybody has a beginning. Okay. Maybe you move to a new environment, you new neighborhood. Maybe you don't look like any of your neighbors, like you are the minority. And I'm not talking about skin color. I'm talking about what you look like is the only person that looks like you and everybody else looks like everybody else, right? And what does that look like? How do these, these people are all educated and I've never gone to school. And like everybody has a beginning and you have to keep it in your mind that I'm here and I'm not just going to survive Okay, I'm not just going to set goals enough just to get by. I'm not just going to be scrappy all the time. I may have to be scrappy for a little while, but scrappy is not going to cause me to go to the next level. Scrappy is going to keep me here. Okay, people are designed to grow throughout life. I mean, that's evidenced from the second of conception. I mean, think about this. You have what we call cellular proliferation. Cells divide. You have two cells. You got the egg and the sperm. They're two damn cells. 
and they come together and they form this thing and then all of a sudden you've got these cells which are forming and then after that you have little cardiac cells. You've got little heartbeats in there before the heart's even formed. And then you've got the formation of the brain and the spinal cord. And then you've got the eyeballs and that weird fish-looking fetus embryo thing in there, right? It's all about growth and development. And everything continues. And then you've got the hormones. You've got testosterone surges, which happen in utero before the babies are born. And then as they're born, then they take their first breath and then they're off. <laughs> then your life is over as you know it. Everything changes. Why? Because they're growing and they're developing. And then they're getting into stuff. You turn your back for a second and all of a sudden they're climbing and they're on top of the refrigerator getting at the cookie jar. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> right? It's all about growth and development. And then next thing you know, they're in junior high and you're, they're talking about weed and they're talking of you know swear words and they're talking about sex and you're just like oh, what what <laughs> it, it's all about growth and development and when you view life on that continuum it never stops and that's a great thing that's a 